Baruch Hashem, this shir is being given in the Breslov Shul in Sharei Chesed. I haven't been here for a while and I feel an incredible privilege to be here again. These walls are saturated with tefillah and Torah for many, many years. This was one of the original, if not the original, Breslov Shul in Yerushalayim. And there's a family that's responsible for Re- reactivating this shul, giving it life in terms of tefillah and Torah and beautifying it with the svarim and everything. It's an incredible privilege to be here again, Baruch Hashem. <coughs> Today is Yud Beis Kislev. Yesterday, Yud Aleph Kislev was the art site of my Rebbe, Rabbi Horav Tziarie Ben Siem Rebbe Yisraelaba Rosenfeld, who was one of the main people responsible for spreading Rabbi Nachman's teachings in the United States of America. This is going back to the 1940s, 50s, 60s, 70s. That's when he learned and taught in America. And at that time, Hasidus in general was not that powerful in America. And Breslau was just about unheard of, unheard of. People hadn't heard of Tikkun Chloe, all the different things. And he was privileged to be a descendant of a Breslau family his, his lineage dated back to one of the students of Rabbi Nachman, Rabbi Aranzal, and he himself got turned on, he said, when he was about 16 years old. It wasn't, the Breslava Hasidus is not something that's necessarily passed down from parent to child. It's, it's, it's a way of life, it's, it's an ideology, which one neshama feels it and another neshama doesn't feel it necessarily. But he said that at the age of 16, he himself, who had been learning in quality yeshivas in New York, and yet he felt something was missing, something ruchnius, some spirituality that was missing. And he decided to start searching, and he figured he'll start in the Breslov Svarim since his father is Breslov. And he said that sure enough, he found what he was looking for there. He found a, a way to get closer to Hashem, not just by learning Torah, and, and in Torah, learning Pneumius, the Pneumius of Torah, the, the Hasidus, Kabbalah even, and, and especially through Tefillah, connecting to Hashem through personal prayer, which is one of the highlights in Rabbi Nachman's teachings, enlightening us and making us realize that we're able to, we're allowed to, and invited to speak to Hashem in our own language, in our own words, you know, which was an incredible thing. Today, the 12th of Kislev, is an important day, uh, the yard site of one of the giants of Hasidus, who's known by the name of his Sefer, as many of, the, many of the great tzaddikim are usually known more by their Sefer than by their own personal name. The Sefer Bat Ayin, Bas Ayin, Ala Torah. There's actually a, a yeshuv in Eretz Yisrael called Bas Ayin that's named after this tzaddik. His name was Rebavrom Doivber Berebdovid. And he lived in Chutzlaretz, he lived in Europe most of his life, but he was one of the tzaddikim who felt the deep, deep connection and importance of Eretz Yisroel in Judaism. We know that if a person opens the Chumash, page one, line one of our Torah is about Eretz Yisroel. Line one begins, in the beginning Hashem created heaven and earth. And Rashi quotes the, the Midrash that says, why should the Torah begin with that? If the Torah is a book of laws and customs, why don't we skip like 
a hundred pages and get up to the first law. When the Jews came out of Egypt as a nation, Hashem presented us with the first law, the first mitzvah of Kiddush HaChodesh, the new moon, that we, the Jewish people, our calendar goes by the moon, and, and our holidays are, are celebrated by the lunar year. What? And he said the reason is because Hashem knew there's going to come a time that he's going to want to give the land of Eretz Yisrael to the Jewish people, and there are going to people. There are going to be people that are going to complain and say, "What's going on here? We were here first. We were here first. The seven nations that are mentioned in the Torah, they were here before us." So Hashem wanted to make it perfectly clear on page one, line one, "I am the boss. I created heaven and earth. I created everything. I own the land of Eretz Yisrael, and therefore I have the right." to allow whoever I want to live there for as long as I choose to allow them. And when I choose to change tenants, I can do it at will. This is what the first line in the Torah is telling us. Then we go a couple of pages, we hear Hashem speaking to Avram Avinu, the first, the person who started the Jewish nation. And, and how did Avram Avinu discover Hashem? By process of elimination. He was searching to try to figure out how did all of this came into how did all of this come into being? He couldn't convince himself, as some people might have convinced themselves, that there were two rocks that collided billions of years ago, and that resulted in the world that we that didn't make sense to him. So he searched, and we're told he tried the sun, the moon, to see what until by process of elimination he came to the realization that whatever he sees could not possibly be the creator. And that was when he reached out and he said, whoever you are, creator, reveal yourself to me so that I can show gratitude, so that I can... And Hashem revealed himself to him. And one of the first things that Hashem tells him is, go to, go to Israel, go to Eretz Yisrael. Lech el go to the promised land, to the land that I'm going to show you. And sure enough, that's the beginning of Eretz Yisrael. And then when it comes to Yitzchak and Yaakov, again, Hashem is promising Eretz Yisrael. Then we go to Moshe Rabbeinu, and Hashem says to Moshe Rabbeinu, the Jews are in Egypt now, they're suffering, they're going to leave here to go to Eretz Yisrael. It's all over the Torah. Chumish Dvorim, the entire, Chumish Vayikra, Karbonois, we're in Eretz Yisrael, in Yerushalayim, in the Beis Hamikdosh. Chumish Dvorim, constantly Eretz Yisrael, Eretz Yisrael. So if a person studies Judaism honestly, they see that Eretz Yisrael is a critical part of Yiddishkeit for everyone, for those that are living in Eretz Yisrael, for those that aren't living in Eretz Yisrael. The Torah says that Jews all over the world, if they're going to pray to Hashem, make sure you face the, the direction of Eretz Yisrael. Face Eretz Yisrael. And, and the tremendous connection. So this tzaddik, this batayim, felt this in a tremendous way and was always yearning to get to Eretz Yisrael. In those days, in the early 1800s, it wasn't so simple. And whenever he had a chance to talk to anybody about Eretz Yisrael, he would always try to get new insights, new information. In those days, you didn't have radio or television, things that we have. So one of the ways that he would get information about Eretz Yisrael was when a Meshulach would come out of Eretz Yisrael. People would come to collect money to support the poor people and the institutions in Eretz Yisrael. He would interrogate them and tell them, tell me all about Eretz Yisrael. One time, one of these Meshulachim who had a good tongue, 
and the Batayan was interrogating him, tell me about Eretz Yisrael, and this Mishal told him, Eretz Yisrael, the stones glow with Hashem's light. If a person wants to feel Hashem, that's... And he heard this, and this, this hit him in the heart, and he said, that's it, that's it. This is what I really needed to hear. He told his wife and family were leaving, and they had expected it. They knew this was coming. And the Kehila, the community that he was close to, all of them knew that this time is going to come, and they all respected him and loved him. They knew that that's where he needed to be. Sure enough, he leaves. He goes by boat, as they did in those days. You could imagine it took weeks or whatever to get there at Israel. And in those days, there was no settlement, a Jewish settlement in Yerushalayim. The Jews were in Tveria, the Jews were in Tzfas. So he went to settle in Tzfas, which was a, a Torah center at the time. He gets to Tzfas, and a short while later, he announces that he's making a banquet, and everyone is invited. And they're wondering, what could this be? This Rav, he's a tzaddik, he's not into partying. What, what, what's the occasion? They come and they see he's dressed like in Yontif, in his Yontif clothing. This must be something huge. And everybody gets seated, and, and he gets up and he says, let me explain what this banquet is all about. And he tells them his story about the time that he spent living in Chutz Loretz, and about how he always yearned for Eretz Yisrael. And then this Meshulach came and told him what he needed to hear. That was the Makkeh Patish, as the Gemara says. That was the final blow that he realized his time had come. And he came to Eretz Yisrael, and he couldn't wait to go out and see what this Meshulach described. And he goes outside, and he's looking and looking and looking, and he, he doesn't see it. We know Rabbi Nachman has a chapter in the Kudimran where he writes about this. He writes that there are people that think that a place of holiness or a person of holiness looks much different than places that aren't. And he said, it's not true. He said even people who bring back white sand from Eretz Yisrael, like he mentioned in those days in the 1700s, he said, so what? There are places you can go to in Ukraine where you'll get white sand. So that's not, that's not something unique only to Eretz Yisrael. He said the truth is Eretz Yisrael doesn't necessarily look different physically than other places. But it is different. It's a completely different thing. And he said the same thing is regarding a tzaddik. Some people think that you look at a tzaddik, his face glows. Not necessarily. He could look the same way. He's got the same two eyes and a note. But yet he's something totally different, completely different from another person. So this Rav said he went around looking, looking, didn't see it. And he figures maybe he's exhausted from the travel and everything. Maybe it takes time to get acclimated. So he waits a week, another week, going around, and he's looking, he doesn't see it. And he's, he's concerned because the Gemara says, Nikorin divreyemes, a person who's honest, when somebody else is saying something, they can feel whether they're saying whether it's true or not. And this was a tzaddik who was honest. He knew the Meshulach wasn't lying. So where is it? One day he's walking in Tzfas, and he sees the Meshulach. And he goes running over him, and he says to him, were you in Chutz Loretz? Were you outside of it a few months ago? Yes, yes. You know, you were in my city, and you spoke. We spoke about Eretz Yisrael. He said, you should know, thanks to you, my family and I picked up and came here. 
So the Mishul says, Mazel tov, you should have a wonderful Yishu. And he's walking away. He says, no, 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 I have to ask you something now, please. He says, sure, what would you like to ask? And he knows that this is a great rabbi. He says to him, you remember how you described the light? I'm here, I, I don't see it. So this Mishulach looks at this tzaddik, and he says to him, Rebbe, he calls him rabbi because this tzaddik is on a completely different level. He says, Rebbe, you want to see? You have to be zeicher. You have to be zeicher. That's a privilege. That doesn't come, that's not automatic. You've got to earn it. You've got to do something to make it happen. And he said, somehow, I don't know how, I didn't realize, somehow it, 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 it evaded me. I didn't realize it. Just like we know Shabbos, we're told that Shabbos is something completely different from the six days of the week. And we're told there's a whole concept of preparing for Shabbos, putting on different clothing and, and bathing for Shabbos and haircut for Shabbos and, and buying special foods for Shabbos and more important, and doing tshuva on Erev Shabbos. It says a person on Friday before going should try to do tshuva, sincerely review what I did during the week and apologize to me, to prepare myself to receive the holiness of Shabbos, to be able to receive that neshama yesera. There's a new soul that each and every Jew who observes Shabbos gets that new soul. And you can get it, but, but again, you, gotta, you have to believe in it, you have to prepare for it, you have to prepare yourself to show that you're serious. He said, I heard what he said, and I realized it. I realized I hadn't been misspelled for this yet. I hadn't really prayed for this. And I started pleading with Hashem, Hashem, open my eyes. Open my eyes to be able to see the Kiddusha, the holiness of Eretz Yisrael, to be able to see this light here. And he says, yesterday, Baruch Hashem, I saw, and that's what this celebration is. That's what this feast is, you know, Baruch Hashem, that I'm celebrating that Hashem has opened my eyes to be able to see what Eretz Yisrael is. Those that live in Eretz Yisrael need to know that again, even if a person does feel it, there's levels and levels and levels. <coughs> We're going to learn about this soon. That authentic Judaism means not staying in the same place two days in a row. We're coming to the holiday of Hanukkah soon, where today is the 12 days in Kislev. In two weeks, less than two weeks, we're going to be celebrating Hanukkah. And Hanukkah teaches us a tremendous lesson about basic Judaism. The word Hanukkah is mentioned Chinuch. Chinuch means basic education. That basic Judaism requires that you start with one candle, and then you go to two candles, and you go to three candles, go all the way up to eight, to the number eight. Seven represents this world, the physical world. Hashem created the world in seven days. He worked six days. Eight means we're going into the next world. We're going into Olam Haba. The number eight usually represents Olam Haba that this is what Judaism is all about, that we're operating in this physical world. A person cannot get to Olam Haba without coming into Olam Haza, without going through this world. The Torah tells us that the angels, there's going to come a time when the angels are going to be asking the tzaddikim, what is Hashem saying? What is Hashem doing? Now a person would say, I don't understand this. The angels are wall-to-wall holiness. The angels don't have a body. They don't have things pulling them down in any way, holding them down. They're floating. They're flying. They're fire. They're all spirituality. You would think that they're the closest thing to Hashem. And, and in certain respects, they are. However, Rav Nosan Zal explains and the Sforim explain 
that because they are angels, because they don't have tests like we do, because they don't have choices and challenges like we do, they can only reach a certain height. Even the angel of Emes, there's an angel in heaven that's called the angel of Emes, it's not Hashem's Emes. We see that there was a difference of opinion between them. When Hashem was deciding whether to go ahead with the creation of man, it says Hashem consulted with the angels. And Hashem said, what you, should we create man or not? Should we create? And it says the angel of Emma said, don't do it, you're going to be sorry. Man is going to lie, man is going to commit sins. And, and the Torah tells us that Hashem rejected that angel. Hashem threw the angel on the ground. The whole discussion, it's not our discussion for right now. And Rav Nelson Zaleh one second, if this is the angel of truth, the truth was to go ahead with the creation of man. How could the angel, of, and he explains that even though this angel is called, what, what the angel of Emes, what he said was true. He didn't lie, he wasn't lying but he was speaking about on a certain level of truth. There is a certain truth that there are gonna be bad people, people are gonna do bad things. But despite that, there's a higher truth, there's a higher truth that there's gonna be good people that are gonna make it worthwhile. And even those bad people can do tshuva. There's tshuva where a bad person can get to a higher level, a bad person who does tshuva can get to a higher level than a person who is never bad. The Gemara says, That the place where a Baal is, complete Sadiqim cannot get there. Because the fact that this person went down, the fact that this person is coming from darkness and was able to get up to light, makes that person more important and more significant and able to reach higher levels than a person who never went down. We know that the neshama of Moshiach, we're all waiting for Moshiach to come, the savior of Klal Yisrael, the tzaddik who's going to do more for Klal Yisrael than anybody else ever did. Moshiach had to come from Lot and his daughters. Hashem destroyed Sodom and Amorah, he destroyed the... And to them it looked, they didn't have telescopes, they didn't have telephones at that time to find out that a hundred miles away there were... They saw the world was destroyed. They thought the whole world was destroyed. This was like the flood. So they thought they were the only people left on earth, a father and his two, two daughters. If they don't mate, then, then the world will shut down. There'll be no more human, the human race will close down. So they committed an act which seems to be terrible, but they did it with good intentions in a sense. From them, from that relationship, came Moyov. Moyov, the nation of Moyov, from which came Rus, from which comes Dovar HaMelech, from which comes Moshiach. And there's more things along the way, more issues along the way. And it's specifically from such Yeridah that comes the greatest light, the highest light. <coughs> so here, we're talking about human beings, a human being who comes down to this earth and goes through challenges, those tzaddikim, who, who fight these challenges, these battles with the Sahara, they are able to reach a higher level MS than the angels. They are able to understand what Hashem really wants. So that even when Hashem says to Moshe Rabbeinu, get out of the way, I'm going to destroy them, they worship, and we'll bring a new nation from you, Hashem made pretty clear what he wants, what he wants to do. 
Moshe Rabbeinu says, no, 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 he doesn't really mean that. That's, it's true, they deserve to be destroyed, it's right. But that's not what he really wants. Because there's a pasuk in the Torah that says, Ki lo Hashem doesn't want the dead person to die. What do you mean, dead person die? Dead person means a Russia, a person who's totally... Hashem, does, Hashem wants him to repent and live. So Moshe Rabbeinu understands that that's not what Hashem wants, and he challenges Hashem, and he battles Hashem, and he wins. He gets Hashem to change his, seemingly change his opinion and to forgive the Jews time and time again. We see Moshe Rabbeinu comes down to the world. He's bringing the Luchais. He's bringing the Luchais, the Torah that he received in heaven from Hashem. The handiwork of Hashem. He sees the Jews worshipping idols. He breaks the Luchais. person would say, who knows what kind of penalty he's got to get for that? Who knows what kind of punishment? He emulated what Hashem did. He saw that in these Luchais, it says, if you worship idols, you're dead. You're finished. He knew that if this emes stays around, it's going to be the end of the Jewish people. That's not the emes that Hashem want. He put that emes aside, and he prayed and prayed and prayed, and Hashem said, I forgive. I forgive time and time again. This is the emes. This is the emes that the tzaddikim achieved. And we mentioned that, that the, the mission of a Jew in this world is to grow, like we see in the lesson of the Hanukkah candles every day increasing the light, getting to higher and higher levels of emes. But a person would say, what do you mean emes? <clears throat> I'm looking at this glass, I'm holding it. This is a glass. I can only say, the truth is it's a glass. Can I say tomorrow that it's not a glass, something else? The answer is, we know that within glass, I can say it's a breakable, it's a, I can give more and more accurate descriptions of what it is. <clears throat> so in Emes, there's levels and levels. And we're told these eight, these eight candles of Hanukkah correspond to the eight times that the word Emes appears in Shachris, between Kriyashma and Shmon Esrei. We say the word Emes eight times, <coughs> showing levels and levels and levels. Again, seven represents this world. Number eight means we're, going to, we're leaving this world. This world is called Olam HaSheker. And we're going into Olam Haba, which is called the Olam Ho'emes, the world of the ultimate truth, that higher truth. <clears throat> so this, this, this story that we just told about the, the Basayin, when I first came to Eretz Yisrael 35 years ago, <clears throat> coming from Chutz Laretz, having lived in, outside of Eretz Yisrael for 30-some-odd 30, 30 years at the time, came with a family, a wife, and four children at the time, very excited to come. And not only that, but we came with a support system. We didn't come alone. There were a group of about eight or nine other friends who made Aliyah together at the same time, moved to Eretz Yisrael. And in those days, usually, when a person came, emigrated to Eretz Yisrael, usually had to first go into a Merkaz Klita, an absorption center because you didn't have a house, you didn't have an apartment to go into, you went to an absorption center for three months, six months, a year sometimes, until you were able to figure out where to live and how to live and to see if you can get something, etc. We were blessed, we were very fortunate that two years before that, a friend of ours had visited Eretz Yisrael and heard that there's a new neighborhood being built, Harnof, in Yerushalayim. 
and they're starting to build houses and before you build how before the house is built if you buy it on paper usually it's much less number one and number two you don't have to come up with all the money right away it's gonna take two years or so to build it you can make payments you know so this PS my friends and I was uh, to get involved at the time in a project and unfortunately a large percentage of the builders who undertook to build at that time failed they were not successful many people lost major investments we were the lucky ones Hashem, our builder also in the middle ended up having difficulties and a bigger builder stepped in and helped him out and together they finished the project Hashem, the apartments were built so we came to Eretz Yisrael we were able to go right into the apartments so you'd say, wow, made in the shade. And coming from Chutzloritz, coming from living in a neighborhood where the number of religious people were about 1% or 2%. This is in New York, Brighton Beach. At that time, 35 years ago, the number of observant Jews was maybe 1% to 2%. Moving to Yerushalayim, moving to Harnov, moving into a building of 24 apartments, all religious people, all Shoma Shabbos. It was like going into Olam Haba, like going into Gan Eden, literally. It was such a high, I remember. And you'd think, made in the shade, no problems, no difficulties whatsoever. But the Torah promises, the Torah says, that Eretz Yisrael is one of those things that doesn't come easy. It's Niknis B'Yisurim. It, 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 it's acquired with difficulties, with struggles. And sure enough, each and every one of us, like each and every other person, can tell their stories about the difficulties that happen. And, and my wife, who had grown up in a family, her father, Rabbi Rosenfeld, came to Eretz Yisrael every summer, usually for 10 weeks, and, and lived in Eretz Yisrael. A person comes as a tourist for a week or two, you can say you don't really get a taste of it. But living here 10 weeks, you get a pretty good taste. However, coming as a tourist is one thing, and coming to live here permanently, a whole completely different situation. School systems, all kinds of different things, and, and, and after a couple of weeks, when are we going back? When are we leaving? When are we leaving? And it was shocking. It was shocking to imagine that that's where the, that's where the question would come from. My wife, who had grown up, her father was one of the greatest advocates of Eretz Yisrael. His love for Eretz Yisrael was like the Batayin. And he encouraged all of his students to come to Eretz Yisrael. He himself made trips, came to Eretz Yisrael two, three, four times a year in those days, in the 1960s and 70s, when it wasn't so popular. How could it be? And at the time, I went to see two of the leading rabbis in Breslov, both of them, and without giving them any introduction, both of them told this story of the Basayan, about what happened to the Basayan when he came to Eretz Yisrael, and how when you come to Eretz Yisrael, you need to expect difficulties, challenges, and you need to pray to Hashem, you need to plead with Hashem, open my eyes, help me be to see the goodness, see the Shekhinah, see the divine presence of Hashem here, see the bracha here, that this is the center of blessing. Just like we say on Friday night, we say about Shabbos, Likras Shabbos Lechuvan Elcha, let us go towards Shabbos, Kihi Mekoyer Habracha, because it's the source of all blessing, it's Shabbos. 
What Shabbos is in time, Shabbos is called Tchila Lemikroi Kodesh. It's number one of all the holidays. What do you mean? Shabbos is more important than Rosh Hashanah? Yes, of course. The answer is Shabbos. The, if a person Hashem, violates Shabbos, the penalty is skila, death by stoning, which is the most serious penalty in the Torah. So Shabbos, in certain ways, is above all the holidays, way above all the holidays. And therefore, it's called Mekoyer Habracha, the source of all blessing. What Shabbos is in time, Eretz Yisroel is in place. The Gemara says there are ten levels of holiness in this world. Number one, level number one is Eretz Yisroel. The rest of the world is not holy. If, if, if there are Jewish people living there, and they establish yeshivas and shuls and kosher food and that, that, they bring a taste of Eretz Yisroel to Chutzloretz. They can, they can bring a flavor of Eretz Yisroel to Chutzloretz. But again, we don't kiss the ground there. person gets off the plane in Eretz Yisroel, says the, the Tanoim, when they would enter into Eretz Yisroel, they would pick up the stones and kiss it like you kiss a pair of tefillin, like you kiss a mezuzah, like you kiss a talus, because this is Kodesh. Level one is Eretz Yisroel, level two is Yerushalayim, and we go higher and higher till we go to the Holy of Holies. When the Torah praises Eretz Yisroel, one of the things it says very often is, is Erez Zovas Cholavudvash, the land that flows with milk and honey. And it's brought that the last letters of Zovas Cholav Udvash spell the word Shabbos, showing that what Shabbos is in time, Eretz Yisroel is in location. And we know again that Cholov, milk, represents the Torah. Milk, the, the Torah is compared to Cholov. That, that Pasuk is referring to Torah. That the, the word Cholov is 40, the gematria of 40, the Torah which was given in 40 days. Moshe Rabbeinu them for 40 days to receive the Luchais, etc. So, so this is the center. This is the center of Bracha. All blessing of the world originates from here. In fact, <coughs> The, the Gemara tells us, the Gemara uses the wording, Eretz Yisroel, Shoiset Chila. Eretz Yisroel drinks first. When Hashem sends down the flow of Shefa, it comes to Eretz Yisroel first, and then the rest of the world. So the question is, if that's the case, how come so many people in Eretz Yisroel, especially religious people, religious institutions, are being supported by money from Chutzlars? People have to travel, leave Eretz Yisroel, to try to raise funds to support Eretz Yisrael. And it's been like that for hundreds of years. During the time of the Chidoh, there was Shlucha de Rabbonan. There were always people being sent out of Eretz Yisrael. The answer is, there are several reasons given for that. One reason is to give them a, the opportunity to have a portion in Eretz Yisrael. Otherwise, if they are not connected to Eretz Yisrael, they're not connected to Hashem, chas v'shom. So this is one of the ways that those Jews are being given an opportunity to be connected to Eretz Yisrael. Another way, the Zohar Kodesh describes it as a cup and a saucer underneath. When you have a cup and a saucer, when does the saucer receive liquid? When the cup is filled to the top. If you fill the cup all the way up to the top and you keep pouring, then it spills over into the saucer. Eretz Yisrael is described as the cup, the rest of the world is the saucer outside the cup. So the way it's supposed to be is when Eretz Yisrael receives 100% of its shefa and Hashem continues pouring, that's when the rest of the world receives. 
However, if we make a hole in that cup, chas v'shalom, if we who are living in Eretz Yisrael aren't behaving properly, and there's a hole in the cup, then what happens is when Hashem is pouring into the cup, what's supposed to be retained in the cup is leaking out and it's going into the saucer. And that's the situation. Today we don't have a base Hamikdash. We're not where we need to be. So unfortunately there's a hole in the cup. So a lot of the chef of Eretz Yisrael has leaked out and, and, and gone to Chutz Laretz. And when money is coming from Chutz Laretz to Eretz Yisrael, very often it's Israeli money. It's Eretz Yisrael money that's being returned to Eretz Yisrael. It's the chef of Eretz Yisrael. We hope and pray. So that's, we covered time, Shabbos, and location. Now we have levels within creation. Hashem created four levels. Doimein, Tsoimea, Chai, Medaber. Inanimate objects, that's the lowest level. Rocks, things like that, that have no <coughs> visible life to them, even though there is life in there. But it's the lowest level of life. Then you have plants. Then you have animals. And then you have human beings. The highest level within creation is human beings. Within Doimein, it's the Jewish nation. Within the Jewish nation, it's the Tzadikim, the Tzadikim. So just as what Shabbos is in time, what Eretz Yisrael is location, we have the Tzadik, who is the holiness of the Jewish people, the Tzadikim, who are the holiness of the Jewish people. Hashem says to Avram Avinu, Veheyei Bracha that until you came along, the blessings were by me. From this point on, now that there's a tzaddik in the world of the caliber of Avram Avinu, the blessings are given over to you. The power of blessing is being given over to you. We should be zechet to believe in and to connect to the holiness of Eretz Yisrael, to the holiness of Shabbos, to the tzaddikim, and especially now that this holiday of Hanukkah is coming along. We're lighting those, we're going to light an additional candle hopefully every day to show that we want, we don't want to stay in one place. We want to try to get closer to Hashem every single day by getting closer to, to Eretz Yisrael, by getting closer to Shabbos, by getting closer to the Tzadikim. We should be zeichet that Hashem should turn on the lights, to really turn on the lights and to eliminate all the darkness, all the darkness, all the struggles, the health crisis, the all the difficulties that Klal Yisrael is going through, that the world is going through. We should be zeichet to see the coming of Moshiach, the Binyan Beis Hamikdash, Meher Amen. Amen.